Hey, it's Ron McLean. Welcome to Hockey Talk on the Rock. With Laura and Keith. It's interesting. So let's back up a second. He played absolutely out of his mind. It made no sense to me. And now, here are your hosts. All right, we are back doing Hockey Talk on the Rock, episode number 104. It is Monday, November 6th. I'm Keith on Salt Spring, the Rock, and that's Laura representing Italy. And we are going to talk mostly Canucks today, but a little bit of Ottawa Senators today. So where do you want to start? I mean, maybe let's start with the Canucks. I think it's the easiest. Of course. Easiest topic for us. And yes, mean, they started the parade at the arena down Robson. Yes. Right? Totally. And ahead of ourselves a little bit. I think, I, honestly, I think we are still a bit ahead of ourselves, but I will say the game against Dallas really gave me some strong hope, which I haven't had in a very long time. And it felt good. Since the bubble playoffs? I mean, even the bubble playoffs, like, you knew that they still, like, they, you knew they were doing well and it looked like they were taking a step, but I didn't seriously think they were going to beat Vegas. Right. This feels to me like the most hope I've had, like, not since 2011, because 2011, like, there was a lot of hope, obviously, but mm. maybe since the beginning, like, of the the Longo period, I would say. Um, and just the way that they won that game against Dallas was so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, now you're starting to see like Suter got a couple goals. I mean, the 10 1 game against San Jose was like ridiculous, but you know, he scored in that game and then he scored again against Dallas. He gets the game winner. You're starting to see some contributions from the bottom six that we hadn't seen at the beginning of the season really until this week um, outside of maybe Hoaglander who's put in a couple um, and yeah Lafferty got a goal against in that San Jose routing and I mean like the San Jose game it felt like they were playing a different level team like it felt like they were playing like a junior team or something I've never experienced anything to that degree in my life mm-hmm and from like two minutes in, right, when they took the four-minute power play and the Canucks scored on both, it was just complete, complete domination. And then, you know, they go out and they lose again and let in 10 against Pittsburgh the next night. So it'll be interesting to watch that team because, I mean, you can be bad, but you can't keep letting in 10 goals. Like something has to give there. Mm-hmm. Um, But back to the Canucks, like, yeah, it's just now we're starting to see this, like a team. And when was the last time we saw a team? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I was talking with the guys last night, and like, it's you can see the buy-in to the talk at systems, but also you like I was saying credit to Alvin, I guess, or Alvin and Rutherford, because some of the guys that they target for those specific roles have looked really good in those roles. Like you know, they're not world breaker sniper players but like i specifically brought up like ian cole and uh sam lafferty look yeah. really good in their specific roles and then to a lesser degree i think susie and um Suter have looked really good in their roles as well and they're kind of those 
you need those role players that will chip in a little bit here and there, but are just more specialist type guys, you know? Yep. And especially when you get guys like Brock Besser starting to be what Brock Besser should be again. Yep. Because yep. before before this season, it was starting to feel like, is this guy spare parts or what is he? Yeah. And I mean, you think with Besser too, like just the significance of him scoring the four goals in that first game, like for him and his belief in himself must have just been completely insane. Like I feel like the whole Brocktober was built off of those four goals. Right. Um. And it is great to see him playing again. He looks dynamic, which I don't think we've seen since his rookie season, really. Um, mm. And I mean, the power play in general, like, looks dynamic. <laughs> and I mean, like, the confidence thing, too. Like, again, it was in the San Jose game, which you can't take a lot from. But watching him even make the smart play out of the corner like you know bouncing it out the corner so yeah. can be first to the puck and go score a goal like yeah. that's just a play from a confident player yeah yeah and then like with regards to Quinn Hughes I was watching him just handle the puck in the Dallas game and I mean keep in mind it is like 4 30 in the morning for me at this point so <laughs> how awake I am I don't know but I'm watching it and I'm just looking at him handle the puck. And I can confidently say that we've never had that skilled of a defenseman on the team ever. Yeah. He's just magic with it. And I mean, he was just named first star of the week. He's leading the NHL in uh, points for defensemen. He looks like he's completely taken it to another level this year. And there is a world which I think would be really cool where you could see the three Hughes brothers all win trophies this year. Yeah. You could have Luke with the, the um, Calder, Quinn with yeah. the Norris, and then Jack with either the Hart or, um, you know, um, can't think of names of trophies right now, but I think it's a pretty cool story just how much the, that family is dominating right now. Mm -hmm. And it's too bad that Jack is out, sounds like, week yeah. to week now. Yeah, it's too bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so third in the league as of this morning, I believe the Canucks are. And what is it, 7-2-1? and one? Yeah. Yeah, Pretty it's good. crazy. I mean, the thing right now that I find hard to believe is just how good that division is and mm -hmm. not in a way that you would have expected. Like, okay, Vegas, sure, they won the Cup. We knew they were a good team. I they just lost. You're wearing the Ducks jersey last because they finally lost a game last night. But they look like a good team again. You have LA, who I think maybe was predictable they would start well, but they've also looked really good. And then you randomly have Anaheim and Van I mean Vancouver. I don't think anyone predicted that they'd start this well. Mm -hmm. uh, so you look at the teams at the bottom. <laughs> namely Edmonton and then I guess to a lesser degree Calgary and it's gonna be hard for them to climb out of it I think Seattle has played better though they lost to Calgary this weekend um but the Pacific looks like it's gonna be a good division which again we haven't been able to say for quite a long time yeah um 
Who do you think is going to be the first coach that gets fired this year? Totally I, putting. I feel like it has to be Edmonton. I was going to say Jay Woodcroft myself too. Yeah. Like, I, if, if they go tonight to Vancouver, I could see it happening. Because mm-hmm. something's got to give. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That would probably be one of the most surprising starts the season for me would be yeah. is that what are they two seven and one they're awful they're worse than what the canucks were last year yeah if you yeah like it's crazy and yeah okay mcdavid was hurt for a couple days but he came back pretty quick i mean he probably isn't a hundred percent i would assume but he's mm-hmm. still mcdavid and hypothetically that team is meant to be a lot better i mean the goaltending was always a question mark i think the defense has never been great. Um, but with those two guys, with McDavid and Drysaddle, they should still be at least competitive. And I mean, mm-hmm. they're losing games to Nashville. They're losing games to Vancouver. Like, they're losing games that they really should have won. And, you know, McDavid is, what, 26 now or something? Not young anymore. So he's going to want to see them moving forward as well. But, yeah, I mean, the other coach I could maybe see would actually be Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. There's a lot of talk about him with how the team has started there. And obviously it's less uh, bad than in Edmonton, but because they've changed the GM, you could always see maybe he wants to bring in his own guy. And if they continue to kind of hover around mediocrity, I could see it. I, I kind of thought that, but like the fact that the new GM just extended him, yeah, kind of put me off it a little bit. The one that I would pick from the East more so, which will segue for us. Um, I know where you're going, DJ Smith, right? Yeah. I know Steve Steos gave him a vote of confidence after Dorian got fired, which we'll get into, but you know, they haven't had a great start. And if they hire a new GM soon, you could see him wanting to hire his own guy like we see all the time yeah and like I mean Brady Kachuk did the whole like take the pressure off the coach thing after the last game that they lost but that is a team that should be better they should be playing better um and DJ Smith has been there for what four years now five years something like that yeah he's been there for a while and they've continued to struggle I think honestly, they probably do need a new voice in that locker room. But yeah, I forgot about DJ Smith and <laughs> all the drama of Ottawa. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he would be up there. But I think, like we said, Jay Woodcroft is probably on the hottest seat right now. And going with Ottawa, I guess we can start uh, chronologically with the Shane Pinto stuff, starting back to like, them not having enough money to sign him to a contract at the beginning of the year and trying yeah. to find a trade partner and nobody wanting to pay to take Matthew Joseph. And then all of a sudden the bomb drops where he's suspended for 41 games for some kind of gambling activity that really hasn't been made clear yet, which from looking yeah. through it sounds most likely like he let someone or someone's use his online betting account to bet on stuff they shouldn't have yeah um it's very weird 
because if you think back, didn't Kane go through a similar thing and he didn't get a half a season suspension? Yeah, I don't understand why they've been so hard on Pinto when they didn't come down on Kane for essentially the same thing. The only thing I can say is that was before they legalized sports betting, which in some ways you think would make it worse before than it is now. But I think because they spend so much money on advertising and like literally on the senator's helmets, they have like the the sports betting ad on the helmet. I think they really want to set an example that it's not okay. But they must have some sort of like proof evidence that they can't prove that there was betting on actual hockey because there's no other way that it makes sense if he's just like even if it's his friends or whatever if he's betting on football who cares right it's his money it's his life it doesn't really matter but if you have them betting on um hockey then there's a problem yeah so i don't know uh, that's the only thing i can think of but the whole thing with him this year has been so strange. And now you got to think that he's going to sign his qualifying offer, which still hasn't happened, which is a bit weird. Yep. So, yeah. And I mean, the senators themselves, right? Like if they had Shane Pinto, now that they have Norris back, they do really miss that third line center, which he was for them. And he was a solid young third line center. So for them, it's, impactful in many ways but yeah mm-hmm. i mean the only thing i'll throw into there is like ridley grieg has looked okay stepping into that role yeah especially out but um yeah all in all they should be better and yeah. then that leads into the repercussions they faced from the dadnov botched trade to anaheim like eight months ago or whatever that was like two years ago almost was it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't last trade deadline. It was the one before. And it, I mean, th- that was a weird situation in many ways because basically, I mean, to recap it, when Ottawa acquired Dadnov or signed Dadnov, I guess, um, he had trade protection on his contract for a certain number of teams. And then basically they traded him to Vegas. And at the deadline, Vegas wanted to move him to Anaheim and they traded him to Anaheim. And then his agent was like, whoa, you can't do that. I He has no trade against the Ducks. So basically the trade fell apart and both San Jose, San Jose, Anaheim and Vegas were pissed off because they didn't get what they wanted, essentially. And then the NHL has now come down and they find... <laughs> The Senators, a first-round pick, Mm -hmm. which seems pretty steep when you consider some of the other infractions that they've let go. Um, But because of this, the new owner in in Ottawa basically told um, Dorian beforehand, like, if it costs us a first-round pick, you're getting fired. And it happened, so he lost his job. I don't know how mutual it was or whatever they were trying to make it seem like. And I mean, if you look at the team that Ottawa has built and the deals that he signed those young players to, I think he could be looked back actually pretty fondly as a Senators fan. But it's weird because 
the mistakes he's made are very like sloppy mistakes mm-hmm. like not telling vegas that there's trade protection for a player not having money to sign pento not knowing about it i don't know like it all seems like he wasn't super aware of his team right but do you have any thoughts on it um i thought it was a bit extreme i thought it was, i thought myself that the furthest they should take it is like it cost Anaheim a conditional second round pick that they didn't end up getting for taking on Dando's contract. So I figured like a second round pick would have been the appropriate punishment, but I guess, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Those two teams that were pissed off made enough of a stink that uh, it's, it's all kind of weird. And I kind of feel like, yeah, Dorian's a weird one, right? Like, he made some really good moves with that team and he's built them up to be successful and locked up good young players for a long time, probably good deals, but he's also made some bad deals. Like I think if we were to try to look at his, like his best trade and his worst trade in a vacuum very quickly, like the trade for Eric Carlson at the time was just like, yeah. not a, like it was really looked down on. And then he walked out of that with Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla. Yeah. Which, Amazing. And there yeah. was a couple other pieces to it, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. And then, but then the worst trade, I think, hands down, would be the Mark Stone trade, where he got Eric Brandstrom in a second round pick, which Brandstrom is like a yeah. middling fifth defenseman for them, who they were trying to tout when they got him as being like his exact words were like, This organization has never had a defenseman like this before when they just had Eric Carlson. So it was real weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I think he'll, he'll get another job, but it reminds me a lot of, do you remember way back when Chicago, I think it was Dale Talon forgot to sign qualifying offers for Cam Barker and Christopher Stieg. Yeah. He had to pay them like big money instead of just, Buying them and it and it really screwed them in that in that Stanley Cup window they were having. Yeah. And then got, it kind of reminds me of that. I agree. Yeah, it's just to me just sloppy, like stuff that could easily be checked and left, you know, left for mistakes. So I think it probably was the right call, even though, as you said, I think the punishment was too steep for what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, who was it? You, you might have to remind me. You will have to remind me if you can remember. They brought in somebody within the last year, maybe it was this summer, as the assistant GM, that when they brought them in, it was like, right away, it was like, if I were Pierre Dorian, I'd be really uncomfortable because this is obviously like the next GM. Was this Steve Stairs? No, because he came over from the Oilers. Okay. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. But I feel like there's someone sitting there waiting. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. And, you know, they do have the new ownership now, too, um, which makes sense that he kind of wants to make his own staple on that team. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of a weird one for sure. Um, So... There can really only be better days ahead for Ottawa because this has been kind of a weird few weeks for them. Very strange. Very strange indeed. Um, but yeah, 
other league stuff. I don't know if there's been much. There hasn't, and it's just kind of like last year. There's every team who probably wants to do something has no money to do it, and uh, away we go. So tonight, the Canucks play the Oilers. I am going to go do the the boo thing, and and I'm going to predict that Edmonton will actually beat Vancouver this time. Obviously, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. But I just think that the the law of averages or whatever you want to call it um, yeah. would be very surprising to me if Edmonton came out and got beat again. But I would be thrilled and ecstatic if they did. Yeah. I I hope I think that the Canucks are gonna do it. I think yeah. they've got some good mojo going, and Edmonton is like pissed off and frustrated, and it's not gonna go well. No, well, I hope you're right. But looking at the league standings right now, San Jose is obviously in last as yet to win a game. Second last is Edmonton. That's, That's crazy. insane. And then Calgary. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Calgary was predictable. Like as much yeah. as it was like change the coach and then everyone's gonna be better. It just yeah, I don't know. After Without- you know, Kachuk and Gaudreau left. I mean, after they lost to Edmonton, really, but then Kachuk and Gaudreau left, that team has not been the same. No. And you can pinpoint, like, part of it's probably, yeah, like, Markstrom's, you know, not who he was in Vancouver. Um, the injuries and the age and the not having the goaltending coaching of Ian Clark probably all combined. And then they're just old. Yeah. They're an old team, and you know, I saw a tweet that made me laugh that was like Brad Tree Living left the Flames in worse condition than Jim Benning left the Canucks. And I was like, you know, it's actually true. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, to his credit, he did try, and I think everyone saw what he was trying to do, but it hasn't worked. So they've put a big stop on, we'll segue into Calgary before we wrap this up. Yeah. They've put a stop on all the contract talks. They, they looked like they were going to sign Hannafin. They obviously already re-signed Backland. And then it was like, oh, everyone's going to take a kick of the can and maybe they're happier in Calgary and they want to stay. And it sounded like it was Hannafin and then maybe Lindholm and then maybe yeah. Tanev, Sadorov. And now they've paused it all. Um, do you think... Vancouver would try to reacquire Tanev and do you think Tanev would be okay with it I mean I would love it if they did I think it would be really nice and I don't see why Tanev would have a problem with it you think because the old regime's out he wouldn't be too butthurt about it I think he'd be okay yeah the Canuck it's like Bietzka like you know they played on other teams but really they're Canucks that's how I feel about Tanev I'd be pretty happy about it. Yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do you think it would take? Like, the Flames would obviously have to keep losing and be like, okay, we need to blow it all up. So would it take Canucks throwing a sweetener with Myers to bring in Tanev? I mean, that would be a dream, but I don't know. It would be too high of a sweetener, I guess, hey? I think so. But who knows? Because who else would you want to make room for in the top four? Because you'd have to be have Tanev in the top four. Yeah. I mean, I could see it almost happening. Maybe if you could do two separate trades, like if you could trade Myers to someone else. I just don't see why the Flames would take Myers. 
Right. To be honest with you, he actually has played better since we last talked. He's another player that I thought has been a lot better than he was in the first couple weeks of the season. And so maybe if he keeps playing this way, there'll be a team that will take a shot at him. Um, And conversely, Calgary could, because he's on the last year of his deal. Yeah. And if they are going to blow it up, why not try to get an asset with him just to be like, well, we'll take him for the rest of the year as long as we get something. Whatever it is, prospect or pick. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Stranger Uh things happened and we know them flames. They like these Canucks. They do like the Canucks. And uh, last note, I guess, would probably be the worst trade of the year, looking like probably Toffoli to New Jersey for Sharon Govich in a third. Wow. Because, I mean, we'll see how Toffoli does without Hughes, but him and Hughes playing together were amazing. Yeah. I don't know if I've heard Sharon Govich's name yet this season. No. Yeah, I mean... It looked like it wasn't going to be a great trade in the summer, I'll say. I think most people that talked about it were like, I don't really know what Calgary is doing. But it's definitely been worse than what we imagined. Like, yeah. Toffoli's a weird player because he's a guy who's not super quick in today's NHL, but he's always been able to score and he can always find his way into position. And with Hughes, it just works so well. Because again, Hughes being Hughes is super dynamic and basically can open space for Toffoli to shoot. And it's been really fun to watch. But hopefully Hughes isn't out for too long for the Devils. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. Well, I'm on my last week next week of my leave from work. So maybe we'll try and tee up another one next week. See how the week goes. Nice. uh, In the meantime... This has been Hockey Talk on the Rock, episode number 104, and we will be back. Woo!